Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this final leg of Season 5, I'm reading my way through every single goddamn page in The Revenge of Kang, the final module in the Time Warp Adventure series for TSR's Marvel Super Heroes role-playing game. And as I do, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on each page. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. The Revenge of Kang was written by Ray Winninger and was published in 1990. Today we're discussing page 52 of The Revenge of Kang. Today's page concludes chapter 28, The Nom, and begins chapter 29, entitled Mr. Stark, I presume. But that chapter is just one branch. It's one possibility for what might happen after the events we open on today. When our heroes, the 1960s X-Men, plucked from their very first day as a team together and transplanted to war-torn Vietnam, they come out of their time ship, immediately they're caught in a mortar barrage, they're here to find Tony Stark and prevent Kang from preventing him from becoming Iron Man, but they have no choice but to duck for cover, save their own lives, and this is what happens next. Quote, Just after the mortar barrage ends, nine American soldiers rush up and take cover behind the ridge with the PCs, and begin setting up a 30 caliber machine gun to cover the path. I don't know who you guys are, but you've sure managed to buy yourselves some trouble. A huge wave of VC is expected to come through here at any minute. And sure enough, two rounds later, here come the Viet Cong. There are 15 of them, 9 of the Americans, they all have rifles, they all have standard soldier statistics, combat ensues, and unless the heroes do something to prevent it, the outcome of the battle is that the Americans are surrounded and captured. So the X-Men are superheroes, but they're not bulletproof, and they're not even quite making up the numbers against the armed Viet Cong soldiers. So there's every possibility that even if they fight, someone may get wounded, it, it may really be in their best interest to surrender eventually, or they might not have a choice. Alternatively, they can stay out of it and then try to follow the Viet Cong and the captured Americans to wherever prisoners are being held, hoping to find Tony Stark that way. But if our heroes do that, it's going to require them all to make a good intensity agility feat roll. And I'm going to assume that our team here is all the X-Men but the Beast. We have one 1960s X-Man for every player character in our normal hero groups. Those are all four-person teams. So we have Cyclops, Iceman, Angel, and Marvel Girl. The odds of that entire four-person team making a good intensity agility check to sneak is 2.5%, so that approach, likewise, will probably end up with our heroes captured. It really does seem like the assumption and the goal of the early part of this leg of the adventure is to get the heroes captured, which, if you've been following the podcast, you're thinking, no shit, like always, like how we always come in hot, flexing like superheroes, and then whoever lives in this place we've decided to strut into immediately punks us out and locks us up in a room or throws us in a hole? Yes, just like that. You might have thought this one would be different since there's like a prisoner here we're trying to get to and save, so it feels like the kind of story where we would succeed against guards and captors. But no, this definitely feels pointed toward heroes being captured. And that leads directly into the next scene. It's like a 45-minute walk after our heroes are captured, if indeed that's what happens. And then we get some box text. Quote, The walk out to the Viet Cong prison camp is very unpleasant. The enemy soldiers prod and poke you all the way to the camp. I almost pity you Americans, one of the Viet Cong says. You are in the hands of Wong Chu now. Then we get a little introductory paragraph to this chapter we're going to spend in the holding pen. This chapter is quietly doing so much damage. Just, just listen to what happens. Quote, After they are searched and stripped of all weapons, the heroes are dumped into a large prisoner holding pen. Sitting inside the pen are 40 American soldiers and two civilians, a young American man and an older Asian. The two civilians are obviously Tony Stark and Professor Yin Sen. We have been searched and stripped of all weapons. Very likely after some manner of combat encounter, 
with the Viet Cong. Please consider what will happen when the Viet Cong search the 1960s X-Men. Please consider what will happen when the Viet Cong explain what's up with these X-Men to their superior, Wong Chu. First of all, Marvel Girl. If she's very lucky and nobody noticed during the fight that she can do telekinesis or, or put the pieces together, then she might be treated like a normal person and put into the holding pen and things might go reasonably well. What's going to happen to Iceman? The world-famous young man who just fought these Viet Cong and they saw him throwing around icy blasts and projectiles, building ice slides to lift himself up into the air. He has no equipment on him to confiscate, but all the VCs saw him do this. Are they really just going to throw him into a holding pen? Presumably a holding pen without even so much as a roof, just with some barbed wire, and just expect him to stay there out of the goodness of his heart? Why would you do that? You know he can just make himself some little ice stairs, boop, 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 right up and over the wall. Why would you keep him in a pen? He can't be held in a pen. Why would you accept having him sitting in the middle of your camp when you've seen him create and throw projectiles during this combat? And even if you haven't just seen him do it, you've probably read about it or heard it on the radio because he's Iceman. Remember? The famous Iceman? How could you miss it? There is exactly one celebrity who is known to dress in just boots and snow. It's Iceman. And he doesn't know to hide any of this because he doesn't know that he's famous here in whatever late 60s or early 70s year Iron Man apparently debuts in, in this weird continuity we're setting up. But even without the continuity hijinks, just having seen him use his powers is problem enough. But he hardly has the worst of it. Consider Angel. Angel has fucking wings. Angel came here with his wings out and ready to go, ready for action. If he gets captured, why the fuck would you like hold a man with wings at gunpoint, march him 45 minutes through the jungle, put him into a holding pen, just like four lengths of fence connected all in a rough square, barbed wire on top, and then just walk away and go about your day under the assumption that he'll behave himself. You can't keep a man with wings in a holding pen, and you can't take the wings off. I mean, I guess you could take the wings off. It's getting a little more brutal than I think this scene is intended to be, but that's definitely the direction that this logic is tending. Not to mention that Cyclops is here. When you disarm Cyclops, that will probably entail taking the apparatus off his face that you, being a naive Vietnamese fighter, will assume is the weapon that allows him to shoot blasts out of his eyes, right? You just saw him do this. He keeps shooting blasts out of this thing on his eyes. So you're going to take the thing on his eyes, and at that point, Cyclops has two options. He can keep his eyes closed and just refuse to open them for quite a long time to avoid his cover being blown, or he can start trying to fight back, in which case our heroes bust out, this whole scene is wrecked, and if the VC ever managed to capture the X-Men again, the first thing they're going to do is cut off this motherfucker's head because that's where the endless lasers come out. And this isn't just the X-Men either. I mention them mainly because they're the ones who are here in the storyline that we're following and because they are mandatory characters presented by this adventure. But it's true of so many, like, if you've seen Vision pass through solid objects, if you've seen the kind of shit that Scarlet Witch gets up to, if you've seen the way that Tigra jumps, if you've seen Ironblood's magnetism that allows him to manipulate partially metallic objects like guns from a distance, if you've seen Scoop or Moltencore burrowing through the earth, once you've witnessed that in battle, once these heroes are captured, it is absolutely logic-defying that they would be left still incredibly dangerous free to move around and have conversations in a holding pen that everyone 100% understands cannot hold them. Given the fact that they aren't even in the military, why wouldn't you just kill them or at least put them somewhere away from the other soldiers, right? Like put them in a room with a roof separate from everybody else. So the whole logic, the dumbest thing is this is contingent upon our heroes getting captured, disarmed, 
but not harmed and then put in the general population holding pen in this prisoner of war camp. And there's not the slightest defensible shred of logic about why any of that would happen. But it does. And so our heroes are free to meet Tony Stark, who the text assumes is going to be like, hey, are you Viet Cong spies? Answer me some questions. Where is Disneyland located? Who played Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz? Who were the last three American presidents? To which the correct answer is Johnson, Kennedy, and Eisenhower, which implies that Johnson is by this point a previous U.S. president. In reality, what should happen is that Tony Stark should be like, hey, you four look familiar. Oh, wait, I recognize those tremendous wings. You're the X-Men. And anyway, whether it is because the X-Men in this fucked up continuity are already well-known heroes to Tony Stark, or because the captured heroes are able to remember that Judy Garland played Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz, for whatever reason, Tony Stark will confide in our heroes. They captured me. They got me working on this super weapon. I'm working with Professor Yin Sen over here. We were working to maybe secretly create some kind of powerful weapon to get out of here, but we had this power supply unit that we had squirreled away, and then this guy Lao Ye showed up, and he confiscated the power unit. Without that, we can't complete the secret thing we were working on. Quote, What was odd is that Lao Ye apparently refrained from telling Wang Chu and the other Viet Cong about Stark's treachery, since Wang Chu still sends them to the laboratory to work on the Viet Cong weapon every single day. However, there is no way they can complete their weapon without the power unit. So apparently, even though Lao Ye took the power unit, he's not letting anyone know that Stark and Yin Sen want to escape. It's almost as though some unseen force is taking illogical measures to temporarily fuck things up but make sure that there's still an avenue to unfuck them for any enterprising superheroes who come along. Because if you just told Wong Chu, like, hey, look at this thing I found. These two are trying to betray you. Then uh, these two would have been killed and your Iron Man problem is over. But anyway, even though nothing makes sense and everything is fucked, that's all the stuff that happens. And that's enough for our heroes to realize this Lao Ye must be connected to Kang's plot. If I know Kang, he's going to be behind this illogical and circuitous method of keeping Iron Man from becoming Iron Man. So we've got to go handle this guy Lao Ye. And that's going to require us to somehow break out of this holding cell. Warren Worthington III says, as he strokes his beardless chin and contemplatively flaps his tremendous fucking wings in the midst of the roofless holding pen. Join me next time as our heroes somehow escape, and the author presents a plan B for moving our heroes through this portion of the plot that holds together almost as poorly as plan A on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret, patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact me however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Gmail, Podbean, your favorite podcatcher, etc., etc. This episode's music, used under Creative Commons license, is Take Us to the Nearest Starbase by Astrometrics whose work you can find at soundcloud.com slash astrometricsband.